Hi, everyone, and welcome to Viva La Flora Live Podcast, where we bring you the art and business of flowers. Stay tuned. Welcome back. I've got another really great interview. And this time around, we are talking to Tom the Hewer all the way from Belgium. Now, for American audience, this name may not sound quite as, you know, familiar, but for European and slash world, it is very much. And he is truly an artist who creates art for sake of creating art, it seems at least, right, when you look at his work. I had a pleasure of seeing one of Tom's installations at Floramore um, in Belgium. And I have to say, I, I literally walked into this area um, for this outdoor art installation and my jaw dropped. It was just stunning. Well, a, the size was just, you know, <laughs> overpowering. I mean, you just felt like a little tiny little speckle in front of this thing. It was just so beautiful. And then the story and the artistry, the detail that this, this art installation encompassed. But above all, the, the thing that stood out for me the most that day was Tom himself standing, you know, in that close proximity in his, with his, um, artwork and personally greeting every person that came through those, you know, that, that little, um, it wasn't really gates, but this, this little opening and graciously talked to every single person, took photographs with every single person. And just that kindness in him and the love for what he does just came through. I, I also did ask a few questions and again, he was just so gracious with his time, his attention. So yeah, I, I wanted to talk to Tom for quite some time and here we are. One of the things that also happened during this interview, which I thought was remarkable, is him so openly and freely sharing his experience through COVID. And it kind of put things in kind of this weird perspective, right? Because, you know, you look on the out, you look from outside in and you're like, you know, it must be so easy, you know, as long as you're successful in whatever that is that you do, some of these things don't, don't really touch you. But it kind of reminded me that we are all affected by this and in some shape or form, it doesn't really matter where we are. Um, and I really, truly appreciated him opening up and being so honest and given. So I hope that this interview perhaps helps some people who are also struggling right now in this crazy pandemic times that it seems like we're still have months and months and months ahead of us. So yeah, let's listen in. All right. Well, hi, Tom. Welcome to Viva La Flora Live podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. So I'm, I'm very excited to chat with you. And, um, I love your work and I'm not just saying this. I personally have seen your piece at Floramore, the red extravaganza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, I walked in and it completely stopped me at my tracks. So 
Yeah. And I was supposed to take the, the workshop you were teaching that day, actually. Funny enough, my flight was delayed for 24 hours, so I just never made it to the workshop. You'll have to, you'll have to open the master class in. Uh, right? I know. I really I really want to. Once this craziness is over with the yeah. world and we can travel again, perhaps I can come to Belgium one day yeah. again. So, yeah. Well, um, hey, thanks again for being here. I'm, I want to launch right in. I mean, you create some incredible floral art sculptures, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you didn't start there, right? I'm sure it all started from somewhere else. So tell us a little bit about your creative journey. Where did it all begin? And you know, how did it evolve into what you do now? Yeah, well, where it really begins, we don't really actually know that. Uh, because most of these things happen in our childhood. Uh, some seeds are planted, there are some experiences over there. Um, but then along the way, there are some steps that, that, that uh, what made it a little bit more clear for me that creativity was something that I had to do something with it. So um, when I was younger, I was playing with clay, um, uh, making drawings, uh, going back and forth, and all, everything what, what could be kind of uh, creative. Uh, later on, then uh, having an, an education as, as a graphic designer, and it's only after doing that that I stumbled upon uh, floral design. Well, I, I got in touch with it earlier before, um, but um, it, it was only, I think, when I was about 18, 19, uh, probably 22 years, uh, I was on that very moment, yeah, uh, where I, I went to a workshop for all, uh, for all design uh, with my, my mother, and I kind of immediately knew this is something that really resonates with me. It's um, uh, being able to touch and, and feel, smell, and having a, a direct connection with the product and people who, um, who are around you doing the same thing. Uh, that, that kind of, of triggers something in me. Um, because when I was doing the, the graphic design, um, there was something missing for me. And I couldn't really put my finger on it, but um, I could put my finger on roses and on flowers course it's incredible uh and it's it's um it has an extra dimension as well not only an extra dimension in in that it's three-dimensional but also when you start creating for someone uh there is a kind of fourth dimension the other person that you're doing it for um Mm -hmm. connecting with people uh understanding them uh trying to make it uh yeah connect because that's what flowers are all about so uh that's that's in a nutshell well, the steps I've been taking and taking the decision to, to open a flower shop uh, was done uh, quite quickly after having the, the, these workshops because I just felt this 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 is it. It was kind of a mm-hmm. calling. If I think back back to it, I sometimes think how how did, how did you decide to open your flower shop by just going to four or five workshops? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend anyone doing it, but at the same time. If, if it feels like it, I really believe it's 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 possible, um, and you are someone with, with with a strong intuition. Yeah, I think that's something you can't deny. There is something you have to be um, attentive for, listen to, and and go for it. Uh, so you said you went to the workshop with your mom. Correct, correct. Yeah, she's been doing flowers in her free time for a long time, and uh, I she won some prizes with it. And I was kind of the observer of her doing the, doing that. Uh, and once in a while, I was. Uh, uh, probably doing something with it, but not not in a really big way. Not, not that I was drawn to it very uh, hard on that very moment uh, yet. 
but there must have been uh, a spark already there. Uh, and and it's uh, well, the taste of the pudding is in the eating. And uh, so when you <laughs> uh, work with flowers yourself and and do something with it, and you kind of feel that they're listening to you, and the opposite around. Um, well, yeah, then then there is kind of a marriage. Uh, there is something that has to come to fruition. Right. That's funny. Uh, it's hard to imagine Imagine for me um, many 19-year-olds who want to go to, you know, <laughs> with their moms to do, to, to floral workshops. That's why I'm yeah. like, okay, so how did this happen? So yeah. it all makes sense now. Yes, it all absolutely makes sense now. Then shortly after you opened your workshop and uh, in Belgium, I'm assuming. Yeah, correct. My, I opened my shop. So I did a few workshops and, and I decided, I know exactly where I was sitting when I decided to open my own shop. And I must be honest. I didn't have, um, I didn't have any experience. So mm -hmm. uh, only the, those five workshops that were so clear to me that this was the thing I had to do. Um, so I decided to open my shop, and to, I would take myself one year to pre prepare myself to um, to design the shop itself, um, to have a vision for it, how it should look, mm -hmm. what the experience should be for my clients, what the experience should be for me, as far as I could imagine that, because. <laughs> A lot more came out, out of it than I could imagine. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, well, it, it's, uh, it's following your gut feeling, and, but then also using your mind uh, mm -hmm. to make the puzzle um, complete. Wow. So when you're saying you knew how you wanted people to feel, do you currently have the, the, the shop? No, I closed it uh, about two, two and a half years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. make room for for the other calling i had about three four years ago for for uh teaching people floral design mm -hmm. not, not only floral design also help them to find their own passion and find their own identity as well which is kind of uh, very important by the way uh so that that uh, these things can connect with their passion for flowers as well mm -hmm. gotcha so when you when you had your shop can you walk us through the experience of the customer Like, what, how was it different? Well, um, for me, authenticity is very impo important. Uh, for mm -hmm. me, um, creating something that was really mine was for, very important as well. And it's when I decided to open the shop that my mother started to bring magazines to me. Hey, tell me some inspiration. I said, oh, really interesting, but put them away. I don't want to see them. <laughs> It had to come from within. Um, so for me... Uh, having the creative background from, from uh, a graphic design, I also knew that that having a corporate brand and having a vision that everything you do ha needs to have a purpose. Um, uh, I also took that with me when I started to, to build uh, the vision for the shop itself. So how was it different? Uh, none of the things that were in the shop itself were, um, shall I say it, were standard. So everything was kind of custom made or uh, mm -hmm. reused or uh, made something from it so that nothing so everything kind of had to radiate creativity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everything should also radiate authenticity so that mm -hmm. in the beginning um i used a, a, an old kind of phone so the, the 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 black ones i don't know if, if people still remember them with wires on them um <laughs> I only for, for about two to Two weeks and then it was then it broken and I went to a little bit more modern attire. But just to give you an idea that I tried to find all authentic stuff and 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 bring it together as a whole, so that when mm -hmm. people walk into my shop, they would kind of walk into another world, uh, uh, my world on that very moment, or how I uh, perceive it, or I, I would like to 
have it to look. Also taking consideration that how other people look to the world. Mm-hmm. Always trying to, to balance things. It's not, not um, even when, when you look to the word authenticity, there is a word, word author in it. Um, and when you look, listen to the word um, original, there is a word origin in it. So I like mm-hmm. to find these two because origin is something that connects us as people. Um, there is something as a universal connection when, when it comes to, to, to uh, experiencing beauty. Um, uh, and there is also something authentic about it that mm-hmm. you bring into the world uh, as an individual. So um, what I did was also looking, okay, I'm, I'm not someone who is really following trends, but I, I cannot look, uh, I will not go and say, okay, what's the trend right now? No, I just feel mm-hmm. trends right now. This is the trend. Okay. And this is also the, uh, the thing that resonates with me. Okay, what was really popular, let's say, uh, uh, last year? Late, let's take a little bit of, the, little, of that popular piece into the shop so that you have um, a stepping stone for people who are not always searching for the latest, newest things, but um, mm-hmm. uh, in the shop as well as the newer things in the shop so that you kind of give them uh, a stepping stone to walk to the new uh, thing that you're bringing, bringing in your shop, mm-hmm. trends or the new um, but, but again, when I'm talking about new trends, I never really um, followed the trends. I kind of try to feel into them where they resonate with me. And then uh, maybe some once in a while, maybe uh, yeah, being that mm-hmm. trend was there. Yeah. Right. Well, I would say that you're more of a trendsetter in in industry, at least. You know, I mean, you sort of evolve into that. That's for sure. So you said you kind of segued into you close your shop and you segued into teaching and. Uh, what does that look like right now? I mean, with everything that's going on. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, uh, yeah, a very hot question, as, as we call it. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, imagine, I'm going to take you on, on, on a journey. Yeah? Imagine okay. um, you've got your shop for 20 years, uh, well, let's say 15 years, and after 15 years, you kind of feel that you have to evolve to the next step where there is a new context that makes you... Um, grow and makes you feel fulfilled in what you're doing so being in italy teaching over there uh, a master class and for the first time i kind of um put in a little bit more uh, of of personal development and awareness uh, things in 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 uh, in the class itself mm-hmm. and that really had a really big impact uh, on my students so in that very moment that was the, the other calling i had i have to do something with it i have to combine these two worlds uh, of of uh, self-exploring, uh, creativity, uh, authenticity, um, uh, finding uh, your identity and so on in, in one course. So it's a really holistic thing. Working on it for uh, years and years, uh, looking at how do people uh, brain work the best, how do they absorb information better, how can, how can I bring my information in the best way to my students. So uh, every day, uh, uh, every second of, of my existence, from then on, I was uh, working on, on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so investing a lot of time and money in it um, and passion. And then in February last year, this year, I did my first masterclass uh, with my first nine students in them. Uh, first masterclass, let's say, which is completely as I see it and as I want to bring it to the world in my authentic way, uh, helping other people to be more authentic as well. Um, we did it. Um, together with, with some help and well the, the nice thing is that the outcome that you would like to have had for for your students 
uh, if that outcome is there and if you can read it afterwards, uh, how they experienced it and that you got that result that you wanted to have for them. And you see them even during the corona time, some of them really evolve quite uh, quickly. Well, that, that gives a lot of satisfaction. So mm-hmm. very happy about it. And then two weeks later, corona kicks in. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that was um, this was one of the most darkest times of my life. I'm going to be quite honest about it. Yeah. Um, because suddenly the thing that I've been working on for so long that gave me the uh, emotional income, as I call it, uh, that gave me satisfaction, that gave me a reason for living, what went away. Um, mm. Financial income. Uh, luckily, I have, I have multiple streams of, of income, but even these were on a third, on a certain moment. Everything kind of everything mm-hmm. was. Um, then, from having a calendar and a schedule that was overfilled um, to nothing at all, and right. uh, I started to doubt myself. To be quite honest, I had I had um, I really said, "Oh my God, who am I? Who, who can I still be?" Well, because I know who I am, but who I am has no, no use at all anymore in this, in this world. So first moment uh, reaction was, okay, stay positive and uh, keep on working, keep on going. And, and I kind of lost myself in, in, into that process uh, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people did. Uh, yeah. I'm going to talk openly about it, but, but I will, because I think it's, it's, it's very important to do that. Um, and I really, it brought me a very dark, dark space. Uh, also my, uh, because I kind of lost myself in that, in that process. Um, right. The first time in my life, I, I felt loneliness. And I had so much time to feel it as well because there was nothing really to do anymore. <laughs> right. And then uh, also my, my fantastic relationship with, with, with Elizabeth uh, ended. Mm. So on a certain moment, there was almost nothing to live for anymore. So that really brought me to the dark place. But I can tell you that that's an interesting thing as well because um, I teach my students that you have to find an identity for yourself. Um, and uh, because Divergent thinkers have difficulties in finding that identity, so they go all the way everywhere, and there is no real focal point on something that really brings out uh, everything uh, for them. Uh, but there is also a, a flip side to having that identity. Sometimes you also have to be able to let go of it, and that's mm. something that was that, that became a kind of blind spot. So something that I had to learn and which I mastered on a certain moment also became my enemy uh, mm. for, for joining life. So, and that was a really inter- interesting thing that to to have a kind of existential experience like that to to understand that that identity also is something that you have to be able to go uh, to handle in a flexible way. So that um, which I was already doing on certain parts, but there was a certain part which I didn't uh, do that, and that was quite an awakening, to be quite honest. And it was only the moment I kind of I still remember it at night that I. Uh, sleeping three hours at night and I'm always in my head and I kind of had to um, surrender myself to that experience and mm. I, can, I can say that there was so much clarity in that moment and that yeah. and, and not only about who I am but also how do how everything is almost how everything right. is really connected and how um, we as as a species really have to make 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 uh, uh, changes right now having more awareness than ever before if we want to be able to, uh, not only for our industry, but for the entire world to, to overcome this, this, this time. A lot of, right. We need a lot of awareness for it. Less, less econ- uh, depending on econom- economy. I'm not saying not the, no, no economy. Uh, less depending on state. I'm not saying no state. Uh, less mm-hmm. depending on industry. I'm not saying no industry. Less depending on technology. Uh, I'm not saying no technology. 
but trying to incorporate it in a more balanced way and living closer to nature. Mm-hmm. And not only nature, the outside nature that we know, but also our inner nature. Schools right. have been teaching us to not live in our nature, but prepare for the industry. And therefore, we kind of moved away more and more from, from our own nature, our own real talents. Now we were prepared for what was necessary, necessary to make that uh, um, in the industry work. Mm-hmm. Brought us to, to a place which is, is good, but on a certain moment, everything has its time. On a certain moment, every system, every idea becomes at a place where it becomes autumn and winter time, and we have to rethink the idea. How we mm-hmm. can we transform and integrate new ideas in, in this world so that we can connect everything again without pointing fingers, but um, look right. what can we do as an individual? That's yeah. That's well. Thank you for sharing that, and um, you're so right. I mean, especially everybody's struggling right now, right? And everybody, the first month or two was like a slap on the face kind of thing for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for creatives, it was especially difficult because all of a sudden, you know, that 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 creative outlet just sort of went away almost because we sort of gave into this idea of that, like you said, who am I? I mean, all of those questions, I feel like, yeah, a lot of people kind of went through and I mean, I can say personally, you know, it, it, that I needed the pause. I didn't even know. And it was, it was a very interesting self-discovering process for me. Yeah. The first few weeks were difficult, emotionally difficult. I luckily financially didn't have any of the hardship that I know a lot of people did. You know, I was just, um, I'll say I am one of the fortunate ones in that sense, um, but when it came to creative side of things, I was like, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> what am I going to do next? What, what, what am I doing? Why am I doing? And there was a moment that I realized, am I even chasing my own dream at this point or am I chasing somebody else's dream? So there was quite a bit of a self-discovery that just sort of happened. So I totally understand that. But um, I can only imagine how clear your future path is right now. Yeah, it's clear. And at the same time, I, I just um, know that I also have to take a pause and let, right. let things be. And um, instead of force, trying to force things, uh, just, uh, well, I think there's a time of forcing things and there's a time of letting things just come to the world. Just right. at studying, if you have to learn a language, it's you have to force all these words into your mind. And after, after a certain time, you don't have to force anything. You can just talk. And in right. conversation, sing, <laughs> write poems. And so my suggestion to young people uh, listening is that uh, first 10 years, do as much as you can do. Uh, you're invincible. Just do as much as you, you, as, as you can do and go through so many experiences as, that are possible. Um, and, and, and maybe do it for 20 years. But on a certain moment, um, if you do that long enough, you can stop doing that. Because you've got so much experience, and from that experience, now you have to allow that experience to bring new things to the world. Because there is there mm-hmm. is nothing in your mind, even if, if that would close me, put me in a box of two by two for, for half a year, um, as long as I have food and I can have some conversation with someone once in a while. Um, it wouldn't drive me crazy because there's so many things I could put on paper, write down. There's so much there because of, of this yeah, being... Uh, 
at this age, not that I'm old, but um, so I think everything has, has its time as, as uh, the system that we live in uh, came to a certain uh, age right now uh, and mm-hmm. through the changes. And uh, it's the same for us in our industry as individuals, as partners, as, uh, as uh, well, everything we can or want to be. Right. Right. Yeah, that's um, so true. And I I really thank you again for sharing your personal experience, because I think oftentimes some people kind of feel like that they just have to be something, right? They have to be strong and this and that. Yeah, mm. it's okay yeah. not to be sometimes. We, yeah. Yes, sometimes right? have to surrender. Sometimes yes. have to, um, I must say that was a big challenge for me to surrender. I had to let go. Of <laughs> sure. to let go of everything before I could do that. And the moment, right. I, the moment I, I did, said, "Okay, I'm going to let go of everything." Things start to build up again. Mm-hmm. To make sure that you're not trying to force everything that just calm, calm down. Yeah. Be okay. Yeah. Well, I think because all of a sudden your identity is not tied into any of those things. No. no. It it comes within, and you just make this. I don't know. I mean, I feel more content than I've ever felt. Yeah. yeah after going through this experience. So, for, yeah. For me as well. I feel more calmness in me than, than ever yeah. before. There is some uh, kind of peace. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, no stress. Leave that to the next generation. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll just tell them stories about how we survived the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I want to talk to you about um your piece you made at Floormore um two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um okay, so you probably don't remember this because you only met about I don't know a thousand people that day, right? No um <laughs> so um I literally arrived in Brussels and I was I was coming for the EMC, uh, you know, the part three work, uh, so on. Yeah. So of course I'm late. I'm 24 hours late. I'm a day behind my schedule, and um, I had a choice to make to come to Floormore or just go straight to Bruges, because even if I came to Floormore, I only was gonna spend two hours at you know, um, uh, at that location. And then we were literally going to turn around and go to Bruges. So I landed and I bought a train ticket to Beeson. I'm like, you know, I'm going with all my suitcases and <laughs> everything. So I made it to Floormore. I literally only had two hours to spend there. And then of course met with the group and then we all went to Bruges. I was so thankful that I did that. It was so eye-opening. It was so fantastic to just see such creativity just oozing out of everywhere. But one of the first things, I mean, when I kind of came into that little um, section of the the castle where your piece was, I only kind of could see just part of it. And then as you walk in, it just opens up. I was like, I literally just stood there and looked up. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) this is so amazing. You were standing right there at the door, at at the entryway of um, the, the place. You said, you looked at me, you said, do you like it? And I said, oh, you're the one who created it. I mean, I, I didn't even realize you were the one standing there. I asked you about it and, you know, you told me about it. So it, it was it was a very memorable moment for me because what I've experienced and then what you then described, um, you know, what was the motivation and the inspiration um, and the meaning of the piece, I thought was beautiful. So can you share, can you share that with us? And of course, I'll share images 
of, you know, the piece on our show notes so our listeners can see and also our social media, but it was just spectacular. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, first of all, um, I'm really happy that you bought the ticket, uh, the train ticket <laughs> over there. And so that we have, maybe because of that, we have this conversation as well. Right. Well, for me, the reason I made the design itself was also because I wanted to start teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have made that design maybe two, three, four, five years earlier. But I think um, it's important that you know why you're doing something. And mm-hmm. if you know what the outcome of something should be. So creating this design on this very specific place um, had, had, had several um, reasons. And one of the reasons is uh, well, transformation is something which is kind of always been there in my life. Um, so this, this design also has a lot to tell about transformation uh, and transitioning. Um, and well, there are different layers of understanding this design itself. So uh, mm-hmm. if you go to the deeper meaning of it, um, it is, uh, it is, it's connecting uh, everything with each other as much as possible. Um, and, 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 and yeah, the symbol of, of transition, but then I probably have to um, give the entire uh, uh, resume, the uh, text of, of, of what I've been writing about it. So, uh, in a sense, it was that we kind of have to give nature a place again uh, in in our environment, because otherwise nature will do it for us, and then it will do it uh, their way. So that will, it will push us aside. Um, so if you believe that we can uh, uh, destroy nature, uh, that's kind of arrogant, because even if if we would try to destroy everything, uh, nature will come back without us. Uh, and new species will be here. So, so it was more kind of of a wake up call of okay, let, let's try to uh, bring nature closer to us again. Um, and I must also also say that it it also dawned on me a little bit later that so when I was looking at the design itself, is that um, it also represented my parents, which uh, passed away both. Mm-hmm. Um, my father was technically very creative, so uh, mm-hmm. he invented a few things. Um, and my mother was more uh, aesthetically creative. Mm-hmm. They argued a lot about it. Uh, so my father <laughs> would um, uh, pick something in the house, which was really practical. But my mother said, it looks like, I'm not going to say the word, fill in the blank. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the opposite around, so my mother would, would do something. And my father thought, yeah, really beautiful, but everyone will fall over it or it, it's not practical. So, and in that mm-hmm. design, it was a combination of my parents kind of coming together. There was the aesthetical creativity and technical creativity combined uh, uh, in it. So, uh, not that I was doing that consciously, but it was something that you reflect on after I, I made that design. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's important to always, yeah, please. Oh, uh, I was going to say, I, uh, the first thought that came to my head when I saw it, um, and again, none of the pictures do justice to it. I have to say, I mean, I've seen it in person, which is what I'm saying. This picture is beautiful, but it's just, it just spectacular and grand. And the scale of it, of course, also gave that. The first thought that I had, though, when I saw it was circle of life is what I could think of, yeah, right? It's sort of, it yeah, just, it just this kind of the cyclical motion of, you know, we kind of originate from something and then we go into, you know, transition into another form, another form, another form, and then could we come back and feed into new growth or something? That that was sort of my, you know. Yeah, I, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's just anyways, but that that was absolutely beautiful. So did you um 
did you do many other sculptures or floral sculptures, I should say? Because I know you've done quite a few of those. Yes. Uh, well, this one was kind of, of um, the one I did I said, where I thought, okay, if, if I can do it on this very specific place, I want it to be something immersive. People have to feel something. Uh, when they see it, okay, that's, that's the goal. If that really is going to work, you don't you don't know that uh, upfront. But I did see some people, uh, as well men as, as women, having a tear running from their cheek. Uh, no. That's why. Um, so yes, uh, I've been doing uh, uh, more large scale designs, and um, to be quite honest, this first this piece was uh, part of a trilogy. Trilogy is it the right word? Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> So it started in, in Aldenbise in, uh, mm-hmm. and then also went to China where I did the more purplish uh, version of it. And then uh, last year in, in Belgium where I did in a very big church, I did a white version in uh, from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all having the same underlying uh, idea of, of transformation, mm-hmm. only in different contexts. And for me, it's important to have the right context combined with the design. So mm-hmm. I went to um, uh, South Korea doing some some work over there. And normally this year I would have done <clears throat> a lot of other, other events as well, but okay, they are on paper. And right, <laughs> well, you know, next year. Yeah. So, um, for I'm going to ask you some technical questions. So, how many gloriosa lilies did you use in that design? Uh, must have been about three thousand, if I'm correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and there were roses. So I'm yeah. kind of trying to remember back. Five thousand six hundred red roses. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. And I must say, for it's not uh, what I try to do. Is with it's just quite an amount, I must be honest. But if you see the scale of it, if it was nine meters wide and seven meters high, um, mm-hmm. using only this amount of flowers and trying to make it fill the space without disturbing the surroundings, so it could mm. kind of resonate with each other. You have to respect what's already there. Uh, that's one of my philosophies as well in, in design in life. So for me, it's it's, it's kind of a kind of a mm-hmm. holistic approach in, in how right. I approach also communication and so on. So you have to respect what's already there. Uh, and, right. and so it's a re- it's a really old, uh, beautiful castle. It's there. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's it's not baroque, but it's a little bit more. It's no less is more. Let's say. Um, right. But my designs are less is more. And I wanted to connect these two worlds together uh, by respecting uh, it. And you do that by listening to the colors, looking at the um, the lines which are already there and, and, and uh, make it yeah, dance together, let's say. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful dance. And I love the use of negative space. In fact, I would say negative use of negative space in your design is pretty prominent. And I think that makes a huge difference in how design gets perceived and, you know, yeah, that's what I call, yeah, yeah. that's one of the X factors that I call. Yes. In my, in my cloud as well, we, we have about, about G4 uh, X factors that you can uh, bring to a design to make, give it just that extra uh, touch that, that, uh, that authenticity mm-hmm. and that spark of, of magic uh, to, uh, once in a while. Right. Well, uh, yeah, it, it was magical. So your master classes, I know they're sort of on, you know, on pause right now, just like, you know, all of us, but are you planning on starting next year or what's sort of the next, next step with them? Yeah. Well, um, there will be one in, in January, uh, this year oh, nice. in Belgium, of course, everything has, we always have to speak with words, uh, because it could be that we have to postpone it. Um, 
but um, our first students are enrolling. So uh, two weeks ago, I had a keynote here in Belgium, and, and uh, people are enrolling for it. Uh, small groups. Uh, main reason for me is um, I really want to dive deep into the, the individual uh, experience as well as the group dynamic, which has to be uh, a little bit controlled. Um, so that we have mm. the outcome that you want. So yeah, January will be the, the first one, and then we'll see what we can do next year. Because normally I would have been in August, I would have been in uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. for a master class, uh, mm-hmm. um, which was organized uh, with Holy Chapel. Uh, mm-hmm. 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 So it's a pity we couldn't do that. Uh, but I'm looking forward to working together in the future. So Yeah, that, that would be great. It's funny, I was at her farm Sunday, or today, Tuesday, two days ago. <laughs> it's a very peaceful place. You would, you would very much enjoy it, actually, I think. Um, so how, how many days um, is your master class, like the ones that you host in Belgium? I'm asking very selfish questions because I'm very interested. <laughs> Sometimes you have to be positively uh, selfish. Because you, you can ask right. questions, the listeners can't ask these questions. So, uh, right, I'm asking for them. And to give an answer to that question, uh, this is six days. Uh, okay. Six day masterclass, and um, I'm, I'm quite stubborn about uh, uh, about it. So uh, people say, "Oh, can't you do a smaller one like, with with only this part or that part?" But I just know that um, uh, these six days, uh, the way they're they're organized and how they're structured and how the, the content is being brought to my students will give the best um, and the fastest results that, that, that you can, can get. Um, mm. And, well, maybe I'm a little bit too perfectionistic and not enough uh, uh, commercial-oriented, but uh, for me it has, to be, it has to be something that I can be proud about and it has to be um, – I can't lower my bar for just uh, ec- economical reasons alone. That, that mm-hmm. it, it, has yeah. to, it has to be – well, it, on a certain moment you cannot – not know what you know. And right. At a moment, there is a standard. And I don't want to go below that standard because what I want for my students that is, is the best that they can grow. Some of the Chinese students right now, by the way, uh, who only had a light version of what I've been doing, they're doing such a, they're, they're growing so hard. It's sometimes I think I've learned them. I've learned them too much. They're young. They're, it's wonderful to see that. And also with the, in Europe and, and so on, it's really nice to see that. Right. I, I've been looking for an excuse to go to Belgium again. What part of Belgium is this? Uh, it's going to be probably the Flemish part. But, well, Belgium is a small. It's, uh, it's like right. it's like saying which, which part of uh, New York is it? Uh, so okay. I think New York has 10, 10 million people in living in it, I think. Something like that, right? Something, uh, yeah, something. Well, like, yeah, I don't know what it is now, but yes. After COVID, it could be a little bit less. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. In Belgium. Uh, it's also about 10, 10 million people, 11 million people. Right. So what city, what city is it in? I'm sorry? Well, it's probably, it's got, probably going to be in Mechelen. Mechelen, okay. Uh, right. yeah. Or it could be, uh, yeah, the one in January will be in Mechelen anyway. Um, okay. It's in my, my hometown, but we'll see. Uh, okay. A big difference. Uh, it's a 40 minutes drive difference, so that's. Yeah, yeah. I loved how uh, you could literally hop on a train and go whatever, you know, we, we, um, when I, when I came there and, um, of course I was in Bruges for 10 days, but then we extended, edited another week and my husband joined me and we traveled a little bit, but mm-hmm. we went to a few towns in Belgium, like, you know, the world war 
one historic spots and things like that. And of course, you know, then we took tours elsewhere or whatever. But yeah, I um I loved it there. It was, you know, of course I loved Bruges because you know, it just felt like yeah. magical tiny little yeah. city. Yeah. But um but yeah there there was a lot that I we didn't get a chance to see and we really wanted to um I think we wanted to go to Ghent and we didn't get a chance to time timing wise it didn't work out. But anyways yeah, but the, yeah, but I've, we've been wanting to go back to Bruges actually. So this might be a good excuse. I don't know. I have to look into dates and everything, but, um, and I'm, I'm hoping it actually, you know, your classes kick off again. Cause yeah, that, that would, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, judging from what I've seen from your work, um, I know you have a lot to give to the creative world. I'm pretty sure. And all of my, peers that I was supposed to be in your class, you know, at Floramore that after the class, they're like, oh my God, this was one of the best classes. And it was like a half a day class. It wasn't even a six day version. It was two hours, I think. Something like two. Yeah, it was like, it was a very short class and they were all like, you know, impressed and just their own, every single one of them, they're like, yeah, sorry, that was something that, you know, you shouldn't have missed. I'm like, well, I couldn't fly. So you can, yeah, you can. Uh, come to the math class and you'll have have everything. So there you go. Yes. Oh, I mean, I definitely, yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to do that for sure. And like I said, you know, I'd rather do it in Bruges than in US, yeah. or I'm sorry, in Belgium, you yeah. know, than in the US. It, yeah. It's definitely a different feel, you know. Yeah. Well, um, Tom, this was a fantastic conversation. Thank you, and thank you again for sharing. You know your very personal experience through this process too. I'm pretty sure this is helpful for some of the listeners to know that, you know, it's, we all kind of are going through this thing and just try to kind of see the positive in, in, in all of that. Right. Um, in parting, if there is one suggestion that you could, or one, um, parting words to designers today, especially to beginners, because there's so much information out there, right? I mean, there's just, there's so much information out there. How do you, how do you cut down through that noise and find your own identity, essentially? Well, um, probably by cutting off a little bit, little bit more of, of uh, social media and uh, technology. So walk away from it for not all the time. I don't have to be extreme about it, but walk away from it for maybe a half a day or maybe a few, a few days. Walk, go have a walk in, in, in a forest, see what, 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 what for inspiration you can find there so that you go uh, from, from the head uh, to the belly again. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and just doing things. Don't overanalyze things. Just, just, just do it. Just take some flowers and, and, or some material and start exploring with it. And well, do as much as you can do. But this, this industry really needs, needs to, it has to come through the fingers and the mind. And, and once you go to large scale design, that's another story. And then it's, it's more visualizing, um, front and seeing things before they are actually there. But in the beginning, it's just good to learn to, Work with materials, feel them, know what they can do, what they can't do, how much can it bend, how much can it, how long does it stay, uh, what colors do combine good, and so on. That you really go to the feeling thing first, and afterwards you can add some thinking to it, which is necessary as well. But in the beginning, just feel, feel it. So experiment, yeah. So explore and experiment. Yeah, explore and experiment, and and um, try to go within. Don't always try to find it. Uh, out out of out of there just uh listen to the flowers and to nature and, and to yourself as well yep 
Well, thank you for that. And before we go away, how can people find you and find out about your masterclass? And of course, we'll have it all in the show notes. So, you know, they don't have to go too far. But, you know, for those who are, I don't know, maybe driving. <laughs> yeah, well, they can go to my website, which is uh-huh. uh, uh, www. Uh, and then just my name, com. That's probably the right. way to, to define it. And you can have a look at the dates which will be coming uh, soon. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. This was fantastic. And I really, truly hope to see you in Belgium sometimes. I'm looking forward to it and, and bring everyone with you because I, I know you've got a lot of followers and well, uh, <laughs> it's so, always nice to have people around you that you already kind of know, right? Yes, that is true. That is true. All right. Thanks, Tom. Thank you as well. I enjoyed the conversation and we'll keep in touch. Fantastic. All right, guys, this was it. And before we part ways, just want to remind you again, we are giving away a book called Cultivated, The Elements of Floral Style by Christine Gill. Now, I had a pleasure of um, having a lovely interview with Christine. Be sure to check out that previous episode. In previous episodes, I believe it's number 25. Don't quote me on it. It's 24 or 25. Check it out. Both are great, you guys. But uh, this book is captivating. It's well-written and it's absolutely stunning. It is just photography in it. And for those of you who don't know, that's one of her strengths. That's what she travels and teaches oftentimes, how to translate your artistry through that lens and captivate every single detail in your creation and so on. But um, yeah, so leave us a review tag us on instagram follow us on instagram and you may be one of the lucky winners of this beautiful amazing book called cultivated the elements of floral style till we chat again well it's a wrap thank you everyone for listening for tuning in to viva la floral live podcast we'll see you next week